Hey guys, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur Altours. You can follow us at Twitter at AltoursPod or email us at theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. For this week's episode, we are going to be talking about the new Queen biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody. Now guys, I am so incredibly jazzed to share my thoughts and reactions about this film with you. This is a film that I was slash have been super excited to see since it was first announced way back when. I remember vividly seeing the press release images of Remy Malek as Freddie Mercury, and then seeing leaked footage of the filming of Live Aid, which by the way was the first thing they shot in the film. And I remember thinking that this film couldn't come out any sooner. I was incredibly jazzed. I remember having this big smile on my face when I saw the filming and and what Live Aid looked like and the movements of Malik. It was it was pretty incredible. And I just remember thinking I want to see this movie right away. And since then, I've learned some interesting history about the film and the production nightmare that it was. Now, for those of you unaware, the quick version goes as follows. So many years ago, and yes, years, Sasha Baron Cohen was set to star as the Queen leading man, Freddie Mercury. Now, Cohen's version of the biopic was going to focus heavily on Freddie Mercury rather than the band of Queen, but more specifically focus on the extremely graphic nature of Freddie Mercury's private life. So, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was really pushing for an R-rated film because he really wanted to tap into the really grandiose uh, and and really graphic private life of Freddie Mercury and his wild parties. So this primary focus on Freddie Mercury and not the overall band is where trouble formed between Cohen and the surviving members of Queen. So after many disagreements over the script, the progression of the script and story, and the overall themes of the film, Cohen decided to leave the project, taking his screenwriter with him. So from there, the project went from person to person, desk to desk, and studio to studio, falling through each time. So after some time, Fox decided to pick up the troubled script, and they had set Brian Singer to direct, and Remy Malek was cast to play Freddie Mercury. So although the film was finally put into production, problems continued to arise into filming. Brian Singer was reportedly absent for substantial amounts of time due to quote-unquote personal reasons, as well as being temperamental towards cast and crew. I think I actually read a story that he had like thrown something at Remy Malik when Malik had confronted him about this obsessive absence. So it just overall during production wasn't a good time. And it was because of this erratic behavior that Fox fired Singer from the project and attached De- Dexter Fletcher to finish the filming and handle the post-production needs. So what's interesting, though, is that although Fletcher was brought in to finish a decent part of the film, Brian Singer was given sole directing credit. And I guess in the end, this doesn't really matter, because next May, Fletcher's directing the new Elton John film, Rocket Man. And on a side note about that film, it looks pretty awesome, but this is based on one teaser. But I, I'm, again, I'm super excited. I, I feel like I have the same level for Rocket Man as I did Bohemian Rhapsody. But, you know, with all that being said... I was following the release of Bohemian Rhapsody pretty closely, more specifically the earlier reviews. Now, I'll address those more specifically later, but let's just say that the earlier reviews were mixed to extremely negative. For example, Roger Ebert gave this a 1 out of 4 stars, or RogerEbert.com. Ron Tomatoes, the lowest I had seen, was 48%. As of now, it is 62 Metacritic, the lowest I had seen was 48, and as of now, it's 49. And a lot of reviews that I was seeing 
were mostly in this range as well, in the 50 to the early 70s percentage-wise. But, you know, do I agree with these? Like I said, hang on a second, and, and you'll definitely find out in this review. But I'm going to say this right now. This film will definitely be a populist film. And what I mean by that is that most audiences are probably going to really like the film. But the critics are going to hate it. And that's my prediction. And so far, the trend I've been noticing is just that. Now, before I go any further into this review, I want to play some excerpts of my first impression of this film. It was date night, and my lovely girlfriend Julianne accompanied me. And she is the so she's the other voice you're going to hear on this track. So we had seen this during the first previews at my local theater. So essentially, the night before the official official opening day. So I'm going to go play some of those, and I'll be right back, and I'll see you in a bit. But I think that <laughs> the first line of my first impression is going to tell you whether I agree with these early reviews or not. So sit tight, and I'll see you guys in a second. Okay, I think this is recording. I freaking love it! Dude, fuck those reviews, man. Those early reviews that I saw that were like, this movie is nothing but superficial, and it's like, kind of, like, if you don't like Queen, don't see the movie. Dude, fuck those reviews. I fucking love, I, I, okay, I don't want to say I love, but I really enjoyed this movie. So I never actually knew Queen wrote most of those songs. I'm sorry, I like music, but not, like, I don't follow the specific artists, and I was in love with the movie. I had no idea any backstory, and I was in love with the movie. Like, this was, like, this was, like, like, the performances were incredible. Um... I like the shots, too. Well, I was going to say, the cinematography is... What was the one part when they had the record, like, faded out, like, um, while they were singing? Do you remember The that? record? They were singing, and there was, like, it was, like, two images on top of each other, and what the background was, like, a record as they were singing. So it was, like, they were getting that, like, golden record kind of thing. Was it, like, when they were doing Bohemian Rhapsody? Because another thing about this movie is, like, the style... I thought was really fitting for Queen. Expect like, I thought the transitions were like not. Uh, they were a little odd, but not off-putting. If that makes sense. Um, like, uh, but I really did like the recreations of like the Bohemian Rhapsody music video with like the heads and the silhouettes. Also, I want to break free. Lot like the de- the level of detail is amazing and. Um, I, I and like the cin- like I thought the cinematography it. I thought it was going to be a little bit more, like, eye-popping, but for when it, like, when it really tries to experiment, it, 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 I think they start experimenting with, like, when the music is playing, but when it, when it's more, like, talking and dialogue and exposition, it's more traditional, but when they play the music, it's very, it, it emulates very much of what Queen tried to do with their music and trying to be different, and I thought that was very apparent, and I much appreciated, uh, I, I, yeah, I definitely thought the cinematography was awesome and especially with the music and the performances were all like across the board like there was no bad performance of this whole movie i feel like the movie also put me on like an emotional roller coaster like well, i was like really happy and then i was like pretty sad and then there was funny like i was laughing and then i was sad and then i felt like i was actually at live aid like i was like wow, yeah my that's mom a thing. Like, here like why can't they do this again like well, with live awesome. aid with live aid I felt like, since I told you, I've seen the concert, like, obviously the recording, like, many times, and especially, like, the note heard around the world is AO, which I was so looking forward to, but, uh, so the details there were really good, 
I think when oh, it was like a behind the scenes. It was like a new. It was because I I feel like this was the audio like I don't want to say ripped directly from Live Aid, but it was very much like Pretty even close. like the nuance and how he sang, how the crowd reacted. Um, it's all that nuance was there, so that's why I think it was it was pulled from it and enhanced. But it, they did a different shots. And they were intermixing with, you know, cutting away from Live Aid to the concert, like, getting close, like, in, intimate with, like, Freddie and the musicians and, and like, the rest of the band, and the band. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like, I, it made me want to, like, stand, like, this and that alone, like, I forgot that I was watching a movie. Yes. I thought that I was, I, and, like, that doesn't happen that much. Like, I was like, I, it, it was so immersive and I legitimately forgot that I was watching a movie. I was so invested in the moment, and that, like, very rarely happens, I think. I mean, I can get really into a movie, but I, I can never shake that moment, really, of, like, oh, I'm in a theater, I'm there. But this, like, Live Aid was expertly crafted and done. Like, I, like I said, I felt like I was there. I really just wanted to say, eh, oh, <laughs> so bad, but it's like, oh, no, people are here. But that, but... See, Freddie Mercury would have wanted you to do that. Like, he would have been like, fuck it, do do it. Like, be the queen. <laughs> Which is why, like, and that's another thing. Like, I thought this movie was going to be like, because the original draft of this film, because Brian May and Roger uh, Taylor Moore, the um, the the uh, bandmates, not John Deacon. John Deacon was the bassist. And he was a very, like, reserved and quiet guy, which I thought was funny. And that like he always the... took the shit. Like, oh. Well, yeah, I think, like, he just, he was just really quiet, and he was, like, a really talented bass musician, but, like, I liked how each bandmate had their own personality, like, they, they helped elevate the plot, and I felt, like, casting them was also just as, just as critical as casting Freddie Mercury, because, I mean, they looked like them, like, honestly, I couldn't even tell, like, when they, um, I went to Break Free, I could obviously tell that was Remy Malik, but... The other ones, I was like, they look exactly how the musicians are, and um, when they were that age, it was, uh, I don't know, I just really enjoyed every aspect. Well, it's but like that woman that was sitting next to us was like, I saw them, I lived through that, and I had trouble telling. I, you dude, I was, I was thinking about like, I'm like, what are the uh, like someone in this movie theater? Because we saw it was like a relatively packed theater, maybe a few seats, but we saw the seven o'clock show, and. Um, and I was thinking, like, there has to be at least one person that went to maybe Live Aid in in Wembley or, like, a, at least one Queen concert. And we were right. But the woman was literally sitting right next to me. And, and we obviously had that conversation. She was there. She experienced it. And she was like, this was near perfect. Like, yeah. and, and, like a near perfect imitation. And that that is amazing. But the, now, I, let's... The story, I, the story was fine. Like, I, I definitely, it was definitely like. Which it was not homophobic. I don't think it was at well, all. Well, yeah, I was gonna hit on that, but like the, I had a little problem with the beginning of the movie. I thought the timeline was was moving really fast. There wasn't really much time for nuance, but I thought once they wrote Bohemian Rhapsody and passed that point, so, like, started the second act, I was like, okay, this is when the movie's taking its stride. It's figuring out what it wants to do, and I, I really enjoyed it past that. Not that I wasn't enjoying the beginning, uh, like, with, like, the, like, the formation of Queen, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Now, I, now, let's, let's, like you said, it's not, this movie's not homophobic. I completely agree. I was, 
seeing, reading early reviews of this, uh, it was, oh my, I just think that... Is your heart still in your chest? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing, and how they did it, and I, I just think that, like, I, I want to address, like, a lot of people were saying this film was homophobic, I completely disagree, and, and their, and their argument was that Freddie Mercury was solid when he was married, or he was with, um, Mary, I think her name's Aston. Or Austin? Oh, I just thought Mary. Mary. Oh, I, I, I just, I let's just, let's just say Mary because I don't, I don't remember her last name. When he was with Mary and with the band, and then when he like devolved in his solo career, and started like really exploring his like homosexuality, oh, as the film says, he was exploring sexuality. That pe- people were saying that, or these reviewers or critics were saying that this is when like the downfall is more of a cautionary tale, and that AIDS and HIV was a punishment for all of this, you know, behavior, and I completely disagree, and, like, and, like, his, his, and they were kept saying, like, oh, like, his one, um, homosexual partner that's predominantly featured in the film is, you know, painting the homosexual community in negative light, and, like, so, but then my response to that is, this isn't, okay, first about the character of Paul, he was like that, he, they, like, he was, he was emotionally manipulative, and, on, on a man that was legitimately, lo- like, that was lonely, like, he was, Freddie Mercury was not at all, like, his on-screen, per- well, I, I think, from what I read, if he wasn't at all, like, his on-screen, pers- or his on-stage persona, he was very withdrawn and quiet, and I think he tried to fill these voids of loneliness, and also, like, be growing, or being a homosexual, or bisexual, and not in, in, in the 70s, or maybe in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and, and the stigma attached to homosexuals, like, you know, not, knowing how to express that they do it in the movie he's lonely and he's like um he's like trying to buy happiness and then that does nothing and he doesn't like himself and this whole film also like they're they're not showing that homosexuality is like the root cause of evil there's they're saying that he's engaging in these risky behaviors because he doesn't he it's what uh jim hudson said when he first met him like I like you, you like me, but call me back when you like yourself. And he didn't I like himself. I thought that was an important line because I think it explains all his, like, drug use, his, like, abuse. It's almost like he's abusive to himself. So I thought it was, like, an important... Like, that was, like, a key line and part in the movie that I think they, like, picked up on again at the end. And then at the end of the movie, he gets with Jim Hudson. Yeah. And then they even have... I mean, like, if the movie went on until Freddy's death, you would understand... Like, the, we would... The audience would know. Like, to me... I feel like these critics, like, don't know Freddie Mercury's life. I guess they're just going off of the Ooh. film, what they present. But even in the film, like, they have Jim as, like, the new Mary. He is the rock. He's the foundation that, you know, brings Freddie back. But he's he's homosexual. Like, he is a man. And I didn't think they underplayed his sexuality at all. No. I, I don't think they well, demonized it. I just thought they just, this is how he lived. He I... had massive orgies at his house. Like, his parties, like, you looked at, you turned to me and said could you imagine being at one of these parties? I'm like, it was known that he threw massive and wild parties. So, I don't know, what, what did you think about the homosexual, like, the homophobic remarks? Well, there was this older, like, two women next to me that I don't think you could hear. Anytime something happened, they would say, oh, he's a liar. Or, like, Dude, that the, was really weird. I'm not oh, gonna, like, I heard that, and I kind of want to be so like, I kind of want to be like, shut up. Like, there's nothing wrong with, like, you getting into the movie, but they were very much like whenever like a homosexual thing came up, they're like, <gasps> I'm like, okay. Like the one time the guy had like a like it was like a pet 
thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, like chain mask on. And oh, yeah, the, the BDSM leather, like, thing. Yeah. yeah, they're like, oh, my goodness. And I was like, oh, you're Yeah, like I was 80. like, did you not know that, like, Freddie Mercury was gay? Because like, they were, you... like, they were, like, conducting and singing to the music, and I, which was fine. But it was, like, every time they were just like, oh, what? He's gay? Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, or, like, newsflash, but... No, I don't think that, like, I think it could have easily, if you wanted to, if you were going to make the argument that they make gay people seem bad, then you could have easily just swapped, like, okay, fine, he's not doing this with men. He's doing it with women. Same exact movie. Same exact results. They weren't even throwing, like, racial slurs out. I think they mentioned, they, they said the word, like, fag once, and it was yeah. by Freddie Mercury. Yeah, or like they like, ne- they never like they never all gay like, jokes were made by the guy playing. It weren't even. I mean, there wasn't even gay jokes. It was just like there were like no slur, which is weird. I was like, this movie does not have an anti-gay agenda, especially when the main character is a homosexual. And also, like everyone, a, a lot of these reviews were saying that Mary Austin, Aston, whatever Mary, is that like oh she was like I think they really underplay like the the relationship that they had in the movie was from my research exactly how it was in real life he, he when he died he left his his uh, estate to her not jim i mean i'm sure he left things to jim well, I feel like it's but like... he left a lot of it to mary he said that she was his only like truly best friend like the only one that ever understood him yeah but i feel like a best friend you could love like his best friend could have been the love of his life but he might have felt like he was also cheating her on not being fully available he, to him. He, he loved the emotional support that she offered him. She filled that emotional void that he lacked. And, I mean, and Freddie Mercury was very... I mean, he was... There was no... There was no mystery. He was very a- sexually active. Like, in interviews, they'd be like, oh, like, what do you do for fun? He's like, I have a lot of sex. Like, he would... He was very upfront with how much sex he had. But, like... It was just, like, empty. It seemed like it was emptiness where she filled that emotional void. And, like, he legitimately... Like, he loved her. Maybe... I mean, and, and love is a very subjective word. It's it's the context behind... It's it's the meaning you put to the word. And I think that's obviously very relative to everyone. But he, like, legitimately loved her. And I think, like, that was one of the strongest aspects of this, of this film was, like, their relationship. I'm, like, slightly disappointed with our generation. Like, we have no Michael Jackson, no Prince, no Freddie Mercury. Like, come on. Well, that's, you know, subjective. I mean, I don't know. I don't listen to many much music. We were easily the youngest people in that in that showing. There was, like, one other couple that okay, was, like... Okay, yeah, maybe, but, like... In our maj- Age range was probably, like, 35, and then it goes to, like, mid-40s and up. Like, we were, like, the outliers. Maybe the one other, like early 20s couple but, but we were the outliers i feel like that's why the woman asked your opinion on the movie i was like i fucking loved it and i'm like I'm a, i mean i'm also like i'm a movie buff like i I've, I've been excited for this film for so long we went on a thursday night the film officially releases tomorrow <laughs> friday november 2nd we are currently sitting in a car on at, School at, night. 10, at 10 o'clock on november 1st on a thursday so like I saw this movie op- like opening not even opening the the, the day before opening day I didn't know technically. They did that. Yeah, they do that. I, I like I like seeing movies like this. But I didn't know they did that. what would how would you what would you say? Julianne. Well, I'd give it like it depends who I'd be recommending it to, because I feel like a lot of people our age wouldn't appreciate it because they don't know Well who you, who you yourself. Like fuck okay. whoever you're recommending it to. Like yeah. You, how would you rate this movie? Not to like, 
your mom, your your like my brother, your brother, like how would you rate the movie on a I, general scale? I'd give it an eight because like it was able to keep my attention the entire like I didn't. It's hard for me to like like a movie the entire time where I didn't I don't kind of like zone out for at least like two minutes and I was like engaged following the entire plot line like. I it might have also helped that like I didn't know the outcome completely. Like, I've never seen a video of Live Aid. Like, I've never, I didn't know the full story of Freddie Mercury, so I was, like, very invested in, like, finding, finding out. Well, I don't think this movie really, like, over-glorifies. I think the movie is, like, pretty straightforward. Um, so, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, and I'm glad you did, too. Okay, I'm gonna, and then I'll just, I'm probably gonna edit that. So, as you guys could tell from those excerpts, I was pretty impressed with the film initially. Like, right out of the gate. We were, we recorded that right after the film. The movie wasn't perfect, but it is damn good. And I'm going to reiterate some of my points that I had said in the first impressions, but I have some major things I want to talk about first. So, first off, right off the bat, you can't ignore this, the performances are absolutely fantastic. And I'm pretty sure that the critics are also... They agree, I agree with the critics on this one. So, Ben Hardy, Gwilym Lee, Joseph Mazzello, Mike Myers, Lucy Boynton, Tom Hollander, Alan Leach, they all play their parts well and help me get immersed into this film. But the obvious show stealer was Remy Malik, And I am not alone in this assessment. A lot of reviews that I've been reading have nothing but the highest of praise for Malik and his portrayal. This is easily a career-defining performance. Malik completely steals the show. In my opinion, he doesn't simply impersonate Freddie Mercury. No, he embodies and becomes Freddie Mercury. I actually tweeted out, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, as that as the credits were rolling of this film, I said that Malik is now my top three favorite actors, with Michael C. Hall and Ewan McGregor. And he had actually bumped out the great Michael Fassbender. He was the show-stealing star, and I have no doubts that Freddie Mercury is smiling as he watches down from above. In the first impression, I, I think the way I was describing this is that he, like, there's so there's those there are those performances that you see and you don't see the actor, you see the character. Now, specifically, I think I was quoting uh, Daniel Day Lewis in that kind of regard, uh, Tom Hanks. Is is a is an actor like that, but specifically in Forrest Gump, in that you don't see the actor, you see that character. Now, I think in fictional films there's some leeway because you know it's a made-up person, or even if they're based on someone real, that you you know you still have that leeway of kind of making it your own. Here, Malik has to impersonate one of the greatest musicians of all time, known for his flamboyant nature on stage and how he was in interviews. And that, and, and the fact that I didn't see Malik and I saw Freddie Mercury is nothing short of amazing. And so, if Malik doesn't win some sort of award for this performance, I will be extremely disappointed. The level of detail he brought to the performance was incredible. I think the most impressive aspects of of this performance is his ability to 
to nail both the vocal mannerisms of speech that Freddie Mercury had, but more importantly, he nailed the movement and stage presence of Mercury. I was watching an interview with, with Malik that he actually was saying that he had the vocal coach, and then as they started filming or, you know, practicing and rehearsing, he said, this isn't enough, I need to get a movement coach. And he studied meticulously the movements of Mercury and embodied everything in a stage presence and it really shows and it's because of this level of detail that Malik put into the role it assisted me as an audience member to forget that I was again watching an actor but it made me truly believe that I was watching Mercury and that is amazing I I can't really say that really happens that much so another high accolade I want to give this film was its ability to completely immerse me into the film, especially during the concerts and performance segments. Now guys, this may sound like a cliched and dramatic reaction, and what I'm about to say may sound like an over-exaggeration, but this film is the closest to a Queen concert that I will ever experience. Now, during the Live Aid sequence, I completely forgot that I was watching a film. Legitimately. Now, I watch a lot of films. It's my passion, it's my hobby, it's what this whole show is based around, me watching films. In the thousands of films and TV shows that I've watched, no matter how immersed I became, I never forgot that I was watching a film. That fourth wall was never broken for me, and there was a tingling in my brain that said, it's just a movie. Now, in this film, for 20 minutes, I legitimately forgot that I was in a theater, surrounded by people, watching a film. I felt like I was actually at Live Aid. I went in the middle of the theater. I wanted to get up and, you know, sing along and and jump around and do everything. And it was funny enough that I say that because the woman that sat next to me in this packed theater, she was actually a queen fanatic and she was, you know, a little older and she had said that she had went to seven queen concerts among many but specifically queen and she went to Live Aid in Philadelphia, and and she was at the Madison Square Gardens, which is portrayed in the film, and she's like, I just wanted to get up and dance and just sing along, and I was like, I w- I'm with you, and that is incredible that this film made me do that. No other film has made me want to think that, and so all I want to say right now is that this film is still in theaters as of the date of this recording, November 17th, 2018. Go watch this film, even if it's for Live Aid. It's the it's fantastic for that aspect. It legitimately made me forget I was watching a film, and that is saying a lot. So before I move into my final, final thoughts and recommendations, I do want to address my major critique of the film. Although I think the script is adequate, there is some problems with the pacing and lack of a strong theme. By that, I mean the film decided to opt for a simplistic message of a man loved by millions but can't love himself. And also throwing in some things about toxic relationships and and the negativity of those. Now, I'm not saying that this message doesn't have potential, but this film falls short and proceeds to tell a story that has been done many, many times before. It follows the typical rise and fall arc, the redemption arc, and capping it with the lifetime performance arc that these biopics typically present. Now again, I'm not saying that this isn't entertaining or can't work, it just has been done before, and I think the biggest pitfall of the film is that it wants to delve deeper into the deepness and richness of Queen and Freddie Mercury, Oh, but ultimately, it bites off more than it can chew. 
I think the biggest problem is that the film doesn't know if it wants to be a film about Freddie Mercury or a film about Queen. Instead of picking one and sticking to it, the film attempts to do both to minimal success. The strong performances and awesome cinematography can't save the film from a lackluster script, and that's, and that's rather unfortunate. So, guys, those are my big points on the film, and I'm hoping Brian's going to see this film soon so we can have a conversation about it, because I, I'm very interested, because I'm a huge Queen fan, and I think Brian's like a moderate Queen fan, like he likes the music, but I, I think I'm the bigger Queen fan and know more about the history. But So hopefully, I, I think he's going to be seeing it soon, so hopefully we can do an episode about Bohemian Rhapsody in the near future. But with all that being said, let's get into Mike's final thoughts and recommendations. Overall, this was a decent film. Like I said in the beginning, I thoroughly enjoyed this film, and despite an unfocused script, the performances, cinematography, and spectacular energy helped bring the film back to great levels. Like I said, I think that this is a this is a film for Queen fans and and a general audience. I think that people are going to remember this movie as audiences really liked it. It's a fun time. It's got a great soundtrack. It's essentially a Queen's greatest hit, which is why Queen's fan Queen fans love the film and also this is a this is kind of a Queen film that Queen fans need. This is what we needed. But critics are pointing out those flaws that I was mentioning that it's a little superficial in nature and it, it, it doesn't really delve deep. Do I agree with those? Not necessarily, but I think there's some merit in there. But either way, I'm going to give Bohemian Rhapsody a 7.5 out of 10. This film is still in theaters. I suggest that everyone go see it, if only for Live Aid. I think regardless of what you think of the script, I think the strongest aspects outweigh the weakest. So with that, that concludes this episode of Amateur Autours. Per usual, you can always follow us on Twitter at AltoursPod or email us with any comments or questions at Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur Autours. Cover design was created by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at our own site and Instagram, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme, Dreams, was created by Joachim Karid, which was found using a Creative Commons search. As a small plug, go check out both Joachim's and Sarah's work. They really deserve it. All content discussed and shown is the property of their respective owners and is used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We are working hard to bring you all new content and episodes. So thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.